When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. are back with another live episode of Bully Ball on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I'm Jason Aponte, joined as always by Steph Sanchez. Steph, few weeks feel like this. Sometimes it's harder and harder to talk about this team. Today's not one of those days. No. But first, we haven't, before... had the... we haven't had a day like that in a long time, by the way. Oh, no, we haven't. But first, before we get into the sassy talk about the Dallas Cowboys, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. I'm I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. I am completely in my bag. This week has been the easiest week of content um, ever since <laughs> because the slander started right when Tashawn Gibson picked off Dak Prescott. And it still isn't going to stop. Like at 1048, I'm chilling right now with you, but I will immediately go back to still cooking the Cowboys for a little bit. <laughs> generally, I want to turn the page. Generally. I want to turn the page and I want to think about the Cleveland Browns if this was any other week. But this isn't any other week, is it? No. It's no. the Dallas Cowboys. It was supposed to be game of the year. Still might be game of the year for us. It was supposed to be Brock Purdy's first test. Steph, you were at the game. I just want to get your overall feeling on this absolute beatdown. I mean, it was awesome. The energy at Levi's was incredible. You know, just everything was like the rivalry and you know jay you said it best it's not a rivalry if it's one-sided right so it's right not now, a rivalry of, until you win <laughs> so as of right now this is not a rivalry but you know there's a lot of dallas fans who come out trying to see their team win and i just have some advice for them some financial advice oh yeah stop spending your money on these games until your team can prove that they can actually win one how oh, she's that? starting. She's starting. Let's that? go. I mean, yeah, no, but it, aside from that, I mean, it, it was incredible. The defense was on 10 the entire game. We'll, we'll talk about Fred and, and all those guys, but they brought the energy and so did the fans. So, you know, who didn't bring the energy were the Dallas Cowboys. But, I mean, it was an incredible game. It, it was a lot of fun. So, I was disappointed. I expected more. When I did my prediction for the game, I had the 49ers winning 23-20. I thought it was going to be a bar fight. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a slugfest. The problem is, and we'll start here because there's been some recent comments from somebody who likes to pretend to be a, a tough guy. The problem is, is that the Dallas Cowboys love to tell you how tough they are. They love to mm -hmm. tell you yeah. what we're going to do. 
Do you ever see the San Francisco 49ers talking about their physicality and ever talking about how they are going to they literally just go out and show you? So the the way that I the way that I look at the Dallas Cowboys is this. They are the kid from Christmas story who's running around terrorizing everybody because they they feel like they're a little bit bigger, right? And then one day Ralphie pops and he beats the dog shit out of the out of the bully. Right. But you talked and you talked and you talked and you're always trying to tell someone what you are rather than show you. And your will was broken. Your will was broken and pretty quickly as well, too. So, Michael Parsons. I didn't even know you played in this game, really. Um, I was looking for 11. I didn't see him. The only 11 we acknowledge is Brandon Ayuk. But he goes on his podcast. Well, first of all, let's talk about his post game. Yeah, his post game. Well, I don't think the score is indicative of how far away these teams are. It is absolutely indicative. That's exactly it's it's you you (laughs) could that's the whole point of yeah you literally you you literally (laughs) couldn't be more wrong when it comes to that. That's how far apart you are. It's to the point now that we have to have the discussion. The Dallas Cowboys are not even better than the Detroit Lions. You might not be better than the Seattle Seahawks. You might not be able to be like you. You are so far away from the 49ers now that you don't even get to talk with them in the Philadelphia Eagles at this point. You don't because you're soft. So Michael Parsons says, I don't think the 49ers are at a higher level than us. They are. I think we're the same caliber playoff team. You're not. Same talent, same standards. Not at all. I feel like we need to reconsider. You should fix some things. You can't. The score doesn't show what happened out there. The score shows exactly what happened out there. But then... (laughs) Steph, if I can go off a little bit further, George Kittle wears a shirt that is a homage to Gary Plummer. Shout out to Niner Alex, who's the one who actually got it to uh, George Kittle, Alex Tran. Um, and it says, it says, F Dallas. And Michael Parsons decides to cry about it. And this is another part about it. If you want to cry about him wearing the F Dallas shirt, fine. But if you don't know the history and you haven't done the history, I'm more mad at that. Yeah. Talk about the history, Steph. Tell him, let him know, let him know where that came from. I mean, it was – I don't remember the, the player's name because it was uh, – so forgive me, uh, 49er fans, because it was it was like something Plummer, right? Um, Gary Plummer. Yeah, there you go, uh, who wore the jersey uh, back in the day. This was when the rivalry was at, like, an all-time high. These two teams hated each other with every fiber of their being, and he wore that, uh, you know, F Dallas shirt under his jersey. He showed it off. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's the history. And to me, like, it did seem like Parsons didn't really know where that was from. He thought this was coming from a place of hating this particular Dallas team. It goes way, way further than that. Maybe he hadn't been born yet, like, when that happened. That's a possibility. But, like, you play for that franchise. Like, you you better know the history. In fact, maybe history. if you knew the history, you'd you'd be more fired up for these games and you maybe play a little bit better. It has been personal with both of these teams. And, you know, maybe he should educate himself on that. Maybe if he felt it was personal, he would have played better. We would have seen him out there. But that was not the case. And, yeah, these two teams are are not on the same level. I mean, this was the, quote-unquote, best defense in football, I was told, going into this game, right? We were all told. 49ers hung 42 on their head, on their dome. Not just on any game. Not just any game. This was the world watching. This was their Super Bowl. I thought this was their Super Bowl. I heard all week how important this game was for Mm -hmm. the Dallas Cowboys. Mm -hmm. For them. 
for them. They not needed the 49ers. it. They needed this one. They needed, they needed this it. one. They I, I took. And then when they lose, it's like, oh, well, we're still on the same level. No, you're not. That's literally what you were playing this game for, right? That's all we heard all week. It, this was the reason so that you can feel like you were on that level, get the 49ers monkey off your back, but you didn't. Own it. Own it. Take the L. He's taking more Ls as the week goes on, the more that he talks. He needs to stop talking. All of them. As a podcaster, I would tell him, put down the mic um, and stop. Rob, I know you've got the video. Let's uh, let's pull up, up the video real quick because I've got thoughts and I'm going to continue to cook after this. If you thought this was going to be us being <laughs> humble, if you thought this was us going to be somewhat gracious in victory, absolutely not. No chance. Not a chance. Rob, pull up the video of Michael Parsons crying about George Kittle's shirt because it's so good. We had three touchdowns on us, and he posted this thing to IG. He said, F Dallas. I just feel like he's making it more, way more personal than it had to be. Kittle's my guy, but I'm going to say this. Laugh now, cry later. We got some If we see them again, just trust. And we're going to put it just like that. I ain't going to put too much on it. You're going to make it personal. We can make it personal. That's cool. So I... It's like, oh, laugh, uh, laugh now, cry later. Like you've been crying. You, I don't want to hear about laugh now, chance. cry later. Yeah, you literally had the chance to to show, you know, whatever it is they're gonna show later. You had I don't the chance. Hear, like what? What I, was that? Where was that? I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear laugh now, cry later. <laughs> Listen to me, Michael Parsons. Listen to me. I was looking at your schedule, and your defense looks real good when you face Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, and Mac Jones. Everybody looks good when you face them. But you might not make the playoffs if you don't step right. There is a, a week 13 to week 17 stretch. Philly, Seattle, Buffalo, Miami. You lose all four of those games. If that team that showed up in Santa Clara shows up for any of those games, you might not make the playoffs in the NFC that right now is lacking parity. That is right now the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers and everybody else. Laugh now, cry later, cry now, and laugh never. Like, are you kidding me, man? Like, I don't, he's gonna cry later. I don't understand. The Cowboys have more podcasts than wins against the 49ers in the last three years. I don't want to hear this. Stop podcasting and worry about trying to win games. It's it's so sad. If this was anybody else. If this was anybody else, maybe I'd let it slide. But all week leading up into this game, Micah Parsons and the and the Cowboys' tone has changed. It went from, I'm from Harrisburg where the bullies get bullied. Well, you get bullied every time that you show up against the San Francisco 49ers. Jerry Jones is calling the 49ers the Super Bowl team. How soft are all of you now? What happened? We used to be a proper country. Now, all of a sudden, you think that you're going to lull the 49ers to sleep with gamesmanship and praise? And what did they do? They went out there and they smoked your ass again. And, and the divisional game was great because that was way closer. And that's what I was expecting. I was expecting that. But Trayvon Diggs walking through that door was not going to make this game any closer. Was not going to make this game any closer. Trayvon Diggs does not close the gap 32 points at all. Mm -mm. This is who you are. This is who you will be. You're soft. You're not that good. We need to have a discussion about Dak Prescott. I want to talk about that. But you know what? I'd rather talk about a good quarterback. His name is Brock Purdy. <laughs> <Cook>. <laughs> oh, yeah. And by the way, Trey Lance, 
He gave you no info. There is no info. And you know how this narrative was stupid, Steph? The week before, Ezekiel Elliott came into town with the New England Patriots, and the New England Patriots lost 38-3. to If I have to hear one more person tell me that Trey Lance or someone else is giving away secrets, tell your defensive coordinator be better. Oh, by the way, Dan Quinn, thanks for showing up in black. It's the perfect thing to be set up and put in a coffin for. But I want to talk about Brock Purdy. Um, You know what, Steph? You talk about Brock Purdy. You talk about Brock, Brock Purdy. I mean, Brock Purdy's incredible. And the reason that I thought this game was going to be close was because the last time that these two teams played in the divisional championship, that might have been not the championship, divisional round. Um, that might have been the closest to bad that we've seen Brock Purdy play. And it wasn't even bad, right? It was just they had a plan to limit uh, Brock Purdy in that game. And, you know, they did it pretty successfully in that one. And then it was a close game. That's why we thought going into this one, it was going to be more of the same. The difference here is this is not the same Brock Purdy that we saw in the divisional round. I think he is improving at such a fast pace um, that it, it's incredible. Every every single week we see improvements. He's already outgrown the week two performance when he was missing guys deep. Look how many deep balls he was throwing in this one. Like, And, and the one that stuck out to me, this particular drive, he was surgical. He had Brandon Ayuk for like that 40 yarder that got called back because of a holding penalty. He hit Debo Samuel 42 yards on the very next play, both on third down, mind you, both on third down. He's doing like just crazy things out there. And I love watching JT O'Sullivan's breakdowns of him as well, because he also points out the anticipation that he plays with the footwork is on point. The football IQ is off the charts. For Purdy and he's showing it out there he showed it against this defense we kept saying this was a huge test for Brock Purdy and this offense they passed with flying colors if if you can't stop Brock Purdy you are not stopping the 49ers period because this is this is the new age this is the 2023 49ers where they are they are balanced on both sides of the field the days of trying to prepare for this offense with Jimmy Garoppolo is done all right guess what? You have to prepare for Brock Purdy. And there's not a lot of holes that you can really poke into his game right now. And so it, it makes things really difficult when you have that sort of, you know, football IQ that we're talking about matched with the scheme that, you know, Kyle Shanahan is calling. And mind you, I mean, I think we've all noticed Kyle Shanahan, it seems like he's being a little more aggressive out there too, when he knows that he has a quarterback as good as Brock Purdy, who he trusts, um, you know, really well. So it's just taken this 49ers team at a whole different level. Four touchdowns on Sunday were a career high for him. We'll see plenty big games like this from Purdy. Um, but I'm just I'm I'm so stoked on this offense, man. And it like I said, he's gonna continue to get better. This offense is gonna continue to get better if that's even possible. Like that's that's the thing, right? Like it looks possible. It looks possible. CMC didn't even have that great of a game on Sunday. George Kittle goes off for three touchdowns. I mean. Pick your poison. It really is pick your poison right now. And there's nothing any defense in the league can do about it. Yeah. And you know what's funny, Steph? The most impressive Brock throw was the one that didn't count. The throw yeah. to Brendan Ayuk. It was incredible. Spencer Burford, come on, man. What are you doing? And you know what, refs? Have the refs not ever thought of vibes? You got to <laughs> let a call, like, go off of vibes. Just, like, off vibes. Like, off that throw, you're just like, you know what? I can't throw this flag. That was too pretty. <laughs> and then you know what Purdy does? He literally hits Debo for the same amount of uh, uh, of yards. Look, um, I don't know what else needs to be said. 
And I want to reiterate, I thought this was going to be the test for Brock Purdy. I still haven't seen Brock Purdy go up against a real defense yet. <laughs> no, if you thought I was going to be nice about it, I'm not going to be nice about it. I really don't care um, at this point. Um, it, this is completely different. It's the, it's the Dallas Cowboys. So there will be petty th- jabs out there like this for this entire show. Um, but look, you're absolutely right. When it comes to what he's seeing, right, I think the sentiment I shared was the same one as Kyle Shanahan that he missed one throw and it was like a little behind Brandon Ayuk on the, on on that slant right and everything else kind of just felt like he was seeing it the right way. Um, I don't know what else needs to be said about Brock Purdy, man. I just I think everyone is always trying to just downplay what he does based on the play caller, based on the playmakers, and then. It's so much easier, Steph, and this is why you see Brock Purdy, you know, ranked 25th by whoever um, or or really low, because it's so much easier to bet against the last pick in the draft. The odds are against him that he's going to be successful, right? Like, like that is the part that I feel like a lot of people are grasped onto as opposed to changing your mind with new information. It's just like, well, it can't be someone who was the last pick. It can't be someone that everybody overlooked. Well, football is a funny sport. You know, Kurt Warner was undrafted. Um, there's players that just show up that were bagging groceries and they end up, you know, getting their own movie like Kurt Warner. Right. Like and and I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen, but there's no secret sauce to evaluating the quarterbacks. Some guys have all the tools, can't make it happen. Some guys are a little bit less limited. And I think Brock Purdy was asked about it. And he said, look, I know I don't have the strongest arm, but there's more to it. You know, the, the anticipation he throws with guys are not even out of their breaks before the ball's, you know, on them. Those are the things that you're looking for, man. It's hard not to be impressed with the young man. And for the first time, again, even even through this, even through this, right, with this game and the 49ers defense looking so good, because I want to talk about Fred Warner right after this. Um, the 49ers offense is still ahead of the 49ers defense, and this is a feeling that 49ers fans haven't known for a long time. For a large time, your team has been a, a defensive team that has been has been the horse pulling the cart. Well, now <laughs> there's a Camaro pulling the cart and it's the offense right now. <laughs> like that's what's pulling the cart. It's not a horse. Um, it's a car that is very fast. But Fred Warner, force fumble, interception, sack. I, Steph, I, 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 start to, I start to get to a point where watching Fred Warner play football becomes boring. In the way that we're just like, we're used to it. Yeah. What what else needs to be said about Fred Warner other than he's best in the world? Yeah, no, he really is. I mean, the the thing for me is, yeah, sometimes like there's some games where you don't bother to talk about him because he he does this week in and week out. But there's certain games where he does play at a level that you you can't stop him, even if you tried. He he reserves certain games for teams like the Dallas Cowboys, and he he did it a bunch against, you know, the Packers as well, all those, like, playoff games against Aaron Rodgers. He turned it up. He always turns it up for those high-caliber matchups. And, you know, every once in a while, he just has to remind people that he's the best linebacker in football. And like you said, he's he's up there with, like, best defensive player. He was definitely the best defensive player on the field on, on Sunday night, I'll tell you that much. It was not Micah Parsons. Uh, so yeah I mean yeah exactly exactly I don't even know who he is um but is that a podcast was that a podcast 
I don't know. I mean, he's probably <laughs> wouldn't it be dope if Michael Parsons was like these two podcasters are talking. I'm like, you still talking, bro? Get on the field and do something. I mean, he just might. He's he's all wrapped up in the uh, in the post game antics. But yeah, man, Fred, he's incredible. I I love Fred. Having Fred on the team just entirely changes that defense. He's the quarterback of the defense, right? I think we've said that before, and he lifts the the entire defense. And Greenlaw as well had a, a tremendous game. The Cowboys weren't able to do anything really on offense. They're trying to run things to the outside. Who's there? Oh, just just these two linebackers who are all over everything. You can't get past them because they're so freaking fast. They're so fast. And there, there's a bunch, you know, as soon as Fred Warner got drafted and he was as good as he was, you know, you remember there's a bunch of talk of like who's gonna be the next Fred Warner. It's been years now. I haven't seen the next Fred Warner. There is there's no one comparable to Fred Warner and what he's able to do. He was guarding wide receivers like downfield. It's not the first time that we've seen it, right? I mean, this is what he does. He can do everything. He can do everything on defense. You line him up anywhere, he could probably uh, you know do pretty well. So um, yeah, I love having Fred on this team. He's one of one. And I want to have a conversation about Steve Wilkes too, right? Because there was mm. a lot of talk about. You know, I, I wrote an article. I did a poll. 58% of 49er fans were good with Steve Wilkes. Um, that means 42% of them weren't. See, I can do math too. And a lot of it was, well, the coverage, all that stuff. It felt like Steve Wilkes was putting things on tape that he wanted to change up against the Dallas Cowboys. And they played a little bit more, man. And I just want everybody, this is a lesson in slow down. In slow down, let's watch. Let's watch what the plan is, right? Four weeks, you go out there and you put out, you know, coverage after coverage that is zone that looks like something that that you've been doing. And then against a certain personnel, you break out something that they probably weren't expecting. And that could be a reason why the fact that, you know, they they couldn't get anybody open. I want to just go through some ranks real quick. Um, for the 49ers defense, because I do want to give them their flowers while we're talking about Fred Warner. Third in total yards per game, 266.8, and yards per play, which is 4.43. Second in rushing yards allowed, 64.2. Third in passing yards allowed, five up uh, per, per, per play, 5.04. Point differential is 19.8. First in points per game, 13.6. Guys, Steve Wilkes is fine. I don't want to hear about it anymore. Um, it's, a, it's an absolute dead issue at this point. And... Nick Bosa is pretty good as well, too, and I think that's the perfect place to pivot. Seven pressures, three quarterback hits, three hurries, and a sack. Nick Bosa is fine, right? Right, Steph? He's, he's pretty good? Yeah. I yeah. mean, he's been he's been fine this entire time. The people who just like to look at stats post game and say, well, he didn't have any sacks, so that must mean he had a bad game. No. Stop that. I guarantee you every single quarterback who has lined up against this 49ers defensive line knows exactly where Nick Bosa is at all times because they have to. Mm -hmm. They have to at all times. And that's why he's being double teamed at like the highest rate uh, that we're seeing any edge rusher be um, double teamed right now because he's that good. He's that disruptive. And you need to account for him because if you don't, you know, he's going to get his. And he got a sack on on Sunday. But, you know, it's only going to go up, I think, for for Bosa because, you know, with the addition of Randy Gregory and hopefully that'll, um, you know, spring off the the side opposite Bosa a little bit. 
that should help Bosa as well if if Gregory can come in and, and also be disruptive. So it's only up from here for, for the defensive line, for Wilkes, because, like, I honestly do think, like, he was fine from the very beginning. Wilkes has been fine, but he's experimenting still, you know? Like, he's still figuring out this defense, so it's only going to get better for them too. And they already have, like, the personnel, the players to – that we know are good and and could be a number one defense in this league, right? So it's really just about figuring that out and and how to best call plays for them and when and and all this stuff. And that'll come with time, right? I think this game against the Dallas Cowboys was a really great example of, you know, it's all starting to come together for this team. And so Cowboys didn't even have a first down until the second quarter. They didn't even get into the red zone. Yeah, I know they scored, but they didn't even get into the red zone once. So, yeah, yeah they, they limited a team who was averaging 31 points, the same amount that the 49ers were pretty much, to just 10. Again, yeah. with the world watching this time, right? So they're fine. They're fine. I don't want to hear any complaints about the defense. Yeah, and the Dallas Cowboys weren't putting up points with their offense. They were putting up points with their defense when Daniel Jones is giving you everything and he's literally fumbling the ball and, and Zach Wilson can't score. Like, in the same thing with Mac Jones. Like, again, it was a little bit of fool's gold. Those numbers can be very, very nice to look at. But if you watch the games, you would realize they were never putting up. They were never putting up those points with their offense. Their offense, C.D. Lamb's very frustrated right now with Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott's not playing good football. I'd like to believe that the San Francisco 49ers have started the Dak Prescott leaving the Cowboys and era right here. Like, I think well, this is where they started. Well, they, they were calling for, for Trey Lance for on, Trey Lance. on Sunday Ooh. night. I mean, Ooh. it was mostly Niner fans because, so you know, petty. we were like, get Dak so, out of here. This guy so sucks. Petty. Let's at least see Trey, right? So petty. You might as well see what you have. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time before that. You might as well see. You might as well see what you have with the kid, especially after that stretch. I told you Philly, Seattle, Buffalo, Miami, lost, 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 lost. I wanted to give it to Diamador Lenore as well. Targeted five Mm -hmm. times, two catches for 14 yards. Finished with the highest coverage grade in the secondary, 85.9. I wanted to give it up to Kevin Givens. Finished with 80.8 pass rushing grade on 12 pass rushing snaps. Lost in the shuffle. My goodness. And that uh, that forced fumble by Fred. How did that not end up in the in the in out of bounds? And the only way that I can explain it is God hates the Dallas Cowboys. And one other thing I wanted to talk about real quick is the idea that the 49ers haven't played a good team. Just one more time, you know, because I still don't think they have. <laughs> nice. I still don't think they I like have. how you I, set that up. I still don't think they have. I still don't think they have. I Sent out a tweet that I said, I can't wait for the San Francisco 49ers to play a good team. And people were taking it as I was not a 49ers fan. I was like, I was like, Bozos, I'm a 49er fan. I was like, I'm clearly making fun of the Dallas Cowboys. So supposed to be a test, was not. Shout out to George Kittle, three catches. It seems like every primetime, he just comes alive. Primetime games, I think you can always set your watch and, you, you know, to 80 plus yards, touchdowns, everything. George Kittle on primetime. Shout out to you, buddy. You shine brightest when the lights are the brightest, huh? I mean, Kittle, Kittle's always like ready to pop off for a big game. Like anytime he, it feels like he's kind of dormant and he has these like, you know, bad stat line games. He's ready to pop. And I did kind of have a feeling that it was going to happen in in this game. I I did not quite think it was going to be three tutties, 
But hey, we'll we'll take that any day, right? I mean, he was a mismatch all over the field, and they were getting creative for him too with the flea flicker. Um, <clears throat> I mean, he's he's awesome. He's still good, right? He's still good, and that's the thing that we're saying. Like, there's sometimes that defenses are gonna key in on him or just do enough to to take him away. Someone else is gonna you know break free. You know, this time Dallas Cowboys put all their focus on Christian McCaffrey and it was George Kittle who, you know, reaped the benefits and yeah, three catches, man. All three catches were touchdowns. Like that's, that's efficient. That's, that's yeah, that's, that's pretty efficient. Oh, by the way, Brock Purdy is the most efficient quarterback in the league, by the way, for the, for, for people that, know. for people that like those sort of stats as well, too. Here's some funny stats real quick, too, Steph, because I love pulling the stats after games on Monday, especially when you wake up early on a Monday and you know that you beat the dog shit out of the Dallas Cowboys and they're crying about it. First of all, I just want to say that Dak Prescott said that's the most humbling loss I've been a part of. That made me that's like chicken soup for the soul. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear that you you feel like, oh, we're close or whatever. I don't want to hear that. You're lying. That was chicken soup for the soul to hear that Dak Prescott said that was the most humbling game he's ever been a part of. And I seem to remember after week one, um, I believe it was Demarcus Lawrence, if I'm not mistaken, who said, you're watching the best defense in the world. <laughs> Wrong. Okay. For the 49ers offense, these are some really funny stats. And I want to correlate it, obviously, and contextualize it. So relax. People just people just don't understand when you put stats out on Twitter, like, and they just start like foaming at the mouth and like acting like you're saying something other than these are the objective stats. Yards per play, the Miami Dolphins, 8.31, are first in the league. The 49ers are 6.33, second in the league. Passing yards per play, the Miami Dolphins are 9.76, first in the league. The 49ers are 8.99, second in the league. Points per game, Miami Dolphins, 36.2 points per game. The 49ers, 33.4 points per game, first and second. First downs per game, Miami and the San Francisco 49ers are tied at 24.8. Could you imagine if the San Francisco 49ers score 70 points in a game? That is really where I was going with that. And the, the point is, this offense has been better through five weeks overall with no lows, ups, and downs. No 70-point game, no 20-point game. Everything's 30-30-30. That's much more impressive because those numbers are skewed because you have a 70-point game under your belt. That is what I was trying to imply that. First and second, Miami Dolphins and the San Francisco 49ers, but all of that has to do with a 70-point game and pretty much what they did against the, uh, the New York Giants um, on Sunday as well, too. It's just been that they're, they've been consistent, and they've been consistently not good. They've been consistently great on both sides of the ball. You could even say, like, all three sides of the ball. Special teams was good. Mitch Wisnowski was hitting some great punts, I thought, um, on Sunday as well. He didn't have to kick too many, but still, he made them count when he did get them. And Hooray. I, I, hey, hey, I don't. Hey, this care. is why people at you when you talk. I want to talk. You know what? I muted Mitch Wisnowski just, and Jake Moody. That bad those words. Flowers, man. I was just giving I him don't, flowers. I don't care. There's football players that talk about stuff. <laughs> this guy, this guy over here. I don't um, care. This is why. This is exactly why you make yourself a target when they have good games. You're getting added and all that. You're I. I don't see I don't, I don't see any of that. I literally have muted the words Mitch Wisnowski and Jake Moody, and my life has been marginally better. Okay. I'm gonna find a way around that. And you, can't. Start. you can't. You can't. It's muted. It's muted. You can't. It's muted. You can't. 
Okay. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, um, yeah, like this, this team is balanced on every way you want to look at it. And I think the greatest example was the fact that, you know, the offense went out first because Dallas won the coin toss and they were like, oh, we're going to let our defense show you what we got. And, you know, what did the 49ers offense do? They marched down the field and they scored immediately. Uh, and that right away put the Cowboys at a deficit, not just on the scoreboard, but just the way they had to play the game from there on out. Like you then had the Dallas offense having to play from behind. And when they have to play from behind, you get into a situation where Dak is eventually going to make a mistake. And what did he do? He made three pretty big mistakes in this one uh, with the three interceptions. He only had one interception going into that game. So that just tells Steph, you like. When... They've, they've played like five offensive yeah, I know. series. Yeah, I know, like they, I know. They, but, they, also, no. but also, Jay, also, Jay, I've been saying like they had Dak in the Jimmy Garoppolo offense where he was just like. Everything's okay. quick game. Yeah, it's all quick game. It's all like small yards per attempt. You know, just get the ball out. Very low risk, like offense is what they had him doing in the, those first few games. That was not going to work against the 49ers, especially when the 49ers scored first and you feel like you have to do something to try to get out of that hole. And they were in the hole the entire game. So those those mistakes, those interceptions were going to come. And they came a lot sooner than I thought they would, honestly, because again, like you, Jay, I thought this was going to be a closer game. So they were patient with it and, and it ended up happening just like we all thought they would. But that's what I'm saying. Like the fact that this team is balanced is what I think gives them that extra juice, that consistency that we've been seeing. It's no longer like just one sided to one side of the ball. It, this entire team is pretty dominant over all of their opponents, basically. Yep, 100%. But to kind of put a bow on the Dallas Cowboys and maybe to talk a little bit more about where the 49ers sit and what their future is, because I want to have a conversation about when the slip up is going to happen. Um, you know, I don't I don't suspect mm-hmm. that the 49 Yeah, I don't suspect the 49ers are going to go 17 and 0, Steph, even though I can make a case for why they could. Um, it's the NFL. There's going to be games that are weird, right? But to kind of put a bow on this, I thought this was going to be the game that we learned about you know, where the 49ers stack up. And we did. What I learned is the Dallas Cowboys don't belong in that discussion. Mm-hmm. They don't. The Dallas Cowboys will beat up on average NFC teams. <clears throat> they will absolutely win a bunch of games because the NFC right now is just, you know, it's top loaded, it's top heavy, and then there's nothing on the bottom. Um, But the Dallas Cowboys don't belong in that discussion with the San Francisco 49ers, with the Philadelphia Eagles, with the Buffalo Bills, with the, the they're not like that. They're not. And I think that's what we learned from this. And we learned that there's a clear divide between the 49ers, the Philadelphia Eagles, and then everybody else at this point. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a large argument that could be made that even the Philadelphia Eagles don't look as impressive, even though they are 5-0. and Okay. I mean, you don't get style points, and we talk about this all the time when the 49ers win games, right? If they win ugly, there's no style points, right? None of that. They're still 5-0, and and they're still the, the NFC champions. So you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. And also, in the same way where we're kind of looking at the 49ers like, hey, they're going to round into shape in certain spots. By the way, shout out to Colton McKibbitts. Very good game, mm-hmm. young man. Yeah. You got you to gotta love that. You got to love that. But while you're while you're telling everybody, hey, listen, there's still – things that need to be rounded out, you still have to give them that same sort of benefit of the doubt. That's the game that I'm looking at 
as the real litmus test at this point. Because now the 49ers are going to go into Minnesota. Justin Jefferson's not playing. The 49ers mm-hmm. are going to go to Cleveland. They, they're not even sure Deshaun Watson's suiting up on Sunday. You okay. know, like, all yeah, like, I mean, I don't care if he does or he doesn't. They're not going to win. Um, I Like, yeah, I mean, it would be good to, you know, it, you know, kind of you know do something for for the the women in the community um that would be great but it it, it doesn't matter Deshaun Watson can play the, the Browns are not beating the 49ers the no. thing is is like you have to start looking now at the schedule and saying well where's the possible slip up where's the game that you're looking at and you probably thought hey this one's a a, a clear victory and then they go out there and they throw one up like you know Colt McCoy comes in and beats the 49ers the 49ers still logically if you think about it and you really try to build the case could win every single game every mm-hmm. single game provided they're healthy provided things are you know at the at the place that they are now but i'm interested to figure out when the slip up's going to happen and when it can happen because it probably will happen i don't think the 49ers are going to go 17 and 0 and i'm sure people will yell at me like oh you know jason's you know saying something crazy it's like it's really hard to win 17 straight games yeah no it is um and so looking at the schedule when when do you think that could happen? I mean, right. like you said, it's hard to predict because sometimes mm-hmm. there's just games where, you know, your team comes in and it's low energy and I don't know, you just don't play at the level that you usually do, right? So, but looking think, at just opponent alone. I think your first possible <laughs> slip up, hiccup could be Jacksonville. I think the really? 49ers, I think really? the 49 yeah, think the, I think the 49ers roll into the bye week undefeated. They roll into the bye week undefeated. Jacksonville could be your first slip up. I'm looking at the Eagles, obviously, because that's a tough game, but they need to have that one. I want that one badly. Mm-hmm. You oh, know, get, get that one. Yeah, get it back in blood. Um, and the Ravens game. I mean, if the Ravens actually catch footballs, mm-hmm. they could be a dangerous team. <laughs> you can say the same for the Jags, though. The, yeah, the Jags and receivers are like hundred percent, hundred percent. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence has a fumbling issue though that we need to talk about. You know, but. Other than that, like it's if you believe the 49ers are gonna go 17 and 0, God bless you. I love it. You know, and I and that would be cool. You know, then that means they gotta go 20 and 0. Otherwise, none of that matters, right? I don't want that type of pressure, right? Um, but there's gotta be one of these games that and it and it can't be this the Thanksgiving game. It absolutely cannot. It cannot be that Thanksgiving no. game. Two games that you cannot lose for the rest of the season, the Philadelphia Eagles. And Thanksgiving, you cannot lose those games. You are not going to ruin another one of my Thanksgivings with a Seattle win. Absolutely not. <laughs> not around family, man. Don't do that no. to us. I no. I want the 49ers to eat turkey on that field. I, let I Jake Moody it. let Jake Moody eat the biggest <laughs> turkey leg in the middle of the field and let him say let give him like a Fred Flintstone turkey leg and like have it like this big. Let him have that, and then we can have that meme for the rest of our lives. Um, and, uh, Perna Moore says, Steph looking good on KTVU way to represent Steph straight up said, I don't care about the Eagles. Oh, wow. Steph. All right. So talk about it. You don't care about the Eagles. Let's hear it. No. Cause I was like, I don't care that the Eagles are undefeated right now. The 49ers are the best team in football right now because of what we were talking about. Like, yeah, you don't get style points for winning. The Eagles are still five and oh, but look at what the 49ers have been doing throughout this, this whole time. And what was another good team going into this game? And I, I use air quotes for good team, uh, Dallas Cowboys. Um, I mean, they're still they're a better team than the previous four teams that we had faced. So I'll just say that, right? Put 42 on their head. Beat them by mm-hmm. 32? 
32, my mouth right? 32 points. Yeah. Um, so they've just been dominating teams, right? And it just seems like the Eagles are like, you know, flo- floating by, cruising by a little bit, which is fine. Like, I mean, if both teams are undefeated going into that week 13 game, obviously, like, that is a big test and there's going to be extra juice for that one. But I, I'm not worried about them right now. Is that is that so wrong to say? Like, I'm just, I'm just not. I, Listen, there's no reason to worry about them until later in the season anyway. If that's what you're saying, I 100% you know, agree. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It, it's the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles and the Detroit Lions. And we the, need Lions, to have the Lions are nice. And the, the Lions look good. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I'm not worried about the Eagles. There's, there's obviously other teams in the NFC that, you know, look good. But no team in the NFL right now looks as good as the 49ers do. And like I said, it's because they're balanced on both sides of the ball. I mean, and, and the reason that I – look, if people want to say that the 49ers are going to go 17-0, and fine. You know why? Because Brock Purdy, as a starter in the regular season, is still undefeated. Like, that's pretty hard to argue with those numbers right there. So I think the the 49ers and what Brock Purdy is doing right now, I have, I really haven't seen anyone stop him completely for a game so as long as like Brock Purdy is upright and could deliver the football he's going to operate this offense at a high level no matter who he's going up against right so that's why I think this is a different team than what we've seen in the past it's not just all defense all right and that's what makes them more dangerous than they ever have been right 49ers I think have been trailing in a game for like a minute and change yeah. Um, yeah. I, and you know what? You know what, Jay? A lot of people are like to discredit Brock Purdy even further because, you know, the goalposts are always moving. Like every week he he shows something a little bit extra. And then, you know, people want to say, oh, well, what about this? We haven't seen Brock Purdy really play from behind. He hasn't had to. He literally has not had to. And like the one game that I remember was that game against the Raiders where it was kind of going back and forth. He was struggling to start that game. And then, you know, the 49ers and overtime were able to take that one. Look, that that's one example. But I mean, just the fact that they haven't had to because they're such a good and balanced team right now, that should tell you enough. And and Brock Purdy is good enough that they don't need to be trailing for more than a minute and 45 seconds. So, yeah, I mean, again, they're moving the goalposts. They're discrediting Brock Purdy any way that they can. I'm tired. I'm tired of it, man. Like, respect him. He's a rope. People are calling him like a robot. They're like, is he AI? He's not real. Um, those are the the arguments and, and the talking points I like to hear. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's not much more that needs to be said about this game, but I I just I had a blast watching this game. You ever watch 49ers games and your heart's racing and your 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 blood pressure's raised? And I kind of half-heartedly was expecting that on Sunday. And then right after Tashawn Gibson intercepts Dak Prescott, I was like, all right, it's time to let the memes fly. I know what's happening <laughs> yeah. here. I get it. I, I 100% get it. We started early. We got started oh, early, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. And and the thing is, you know me. I'm I'm Petty LaBelle. You know me. I'm I'm going off. like, And it's the, it's the Dallas Cowboys. You know that that's what I was about to do. But looking forward to the Cleveland Browns. I'm looking forward to uh, Cole McKivitz going up against Miles Garrett. And uh, that's, an, that's an very another very good test. I mean, think about this, right? Like, Cole McKivitz, TJ Watt, Michael Parsons, Miles Garrett, you're pretty much going up against the three guys that are not Nick Bosa. Um, and I don't right. know if that anybody's, like, had a, a rougher time 
um, when it comes to that. But Colin McKivitz has been fine. And uh, I think the sign of a good play caller and cohesiveness on the offensive line is you know that you have someone who's over there that's a difference maker, but it doesn't take you out of operating your offense. If you have to make significant changes to your offense, then your offensive line becomes a problem. But if you're able to functionally run your offense the way you want to with, you know, without, you know, obviously some minor tweaks here and there for a scheme and for whatever it is that the defense is doing, um, then that's the sign of a team that has a play caller that knows how to beat that, has a quarterback that's getting the ball out quickly, and possibly could be that a right tackle is actually improving a little bit. So, I mean, all three of those things can be true for the 49ers. There's a lot of optimism about that. And I think what I knew about the 49ers offense is always going to be there. Like, I, I feel like, yes, we're watching Brock Purdy improve every single week. But what I walked away with was, you know, even though Aaron Banks left this game with an injury, he looked very good. Um, this offensive line is looking much better as the weeks go on. It's it's all It's all fitting together. Quarterback play, play calling, offensive line, everything is working right now. It's just it's just working to the point where we usually see this happen later in the year, not yeah. this early in the season. And that's why 49er fans are brimming with optimism. And that's why, you know, Steph's going on TV as a celebrity yelling, we don't care about the Eagles, bring it on. Like, that, that that's the reason that Steph is feeling like that. I think we knew what the defense would be. Um, and we still think there's probably a little bit of room for improvement on the defense. I don't know how, um, you know, especially when you look at these numbers, but I, I guess people want sacks. But the offense is the reason that so many people are, are excited. This is a high-powered offense, probably the best offense in the league, statistically, when you go through it without 70-point games. And I, I, I actually despise when people do that. Like, if you take away the 70-point game, then the Miami Dolphins aren't that good. And look at this picture of Rob at his I first football met, game with a celebrity. I met Rob over the weekend. He's tall as hell, man tall lanky i was like man rob like crouch down a little bit man like maybe maybe help me out here all right because i look short as hell in this picture but yeah no it was <laughs> can i just say one thing yeah about meeting steph the hair is even more impressive in person <laughs> and it was windy it was windy it was messing up my flow a little bit cramping <laughs> my style thank you rob <laughs> Man, one day I'll get to me, Steph. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. Get out of here, man. <laughs> hey, get look, what a fun episode. This is probably the best place uh, to end it. You know, if you took anything away from this episode, take this away. The Dallas Cowboys are not like that. On the like that meter, they are low. They're in the basement. They're not there. They're not that guy, pal. The San Francisco 49ers are, in fact, that guy, pal. That'll do it for Bully Ball Podcast on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I'm Jason Aponte. That's Steph Sanchez. Make sure you follow Steph on Twitter at Steph49K. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Jason Aponte2103. Make sure that you like and subscribe to this video on YouTube. Make sure you visit the Gold Standard Podcast Network on the internet. Please put the site up. I always get this wrong, Rob. GoldStandardNiners.com. Thank you so much. And follow Gold Standard Podcast on X or Twitter or whatever it is that the kids are calling it. So for Steph, for Jay, Niners win. Cowboys suck. Peace. Peace.